All right, praise God. I'm going to preach tonight on some. It's not brand new or anything startling revelation, you know, heavy revy, as we call it. But it is something that we need to remember because it will help us. A lot of times people say that, you know, I just need to see Jesus or I need to feel his presence or, oh, if I could just see him, if he would appear to me like he did Brother Hagen nine times, literally nine times. And, uh, and tell me some stuff. I, that would be just awesome. Or tell me what I'm doing wrong in my life and how to fix it and all that. But thank God, you know, I don't know, you, you know, there's no scripture that promises any of that. But what we do have is the word of God. And we're going to see something that if you have the word, you have Jesus. If you have the word. So oftentimes we'll say, well, I just need to feel his presence more and so forth. Well, I tell you, he's always open. His door is open to you all the time. All you have to do to get in the presence of God and to get in the presence of Jesus is just begin to call his name, begin to worship him, begin to thank him. You say, well, I, I don't feel anything. Well, we got the frying pan department here and we can hit you on the knee or toe and you can feel something. You know, if you went by how you felt, some mornings you wouldn't even get out of bed, would you? You'd just lay there and hope that, I don't know, something falls on you maybe. But praise God, you know, we don't, we're not moved in our life by what we feel. Church is not about feeling, it's about believing. And the faith isn't something that you feel. The Bible doesn't say anything about feeling with faith. Feelings will come, you know, as things get better and your life improves, but uh, you don't base what you believe by what you feel. And you can, do you know that you can believe God in the middle of fear? You can believe God in the middle of pain. You can believe God and have faith in the middle of, uh, no money or, or, uh, problems in your, in your relationships or whatever it is that you're experiencing. You can even, uh, be experiencing some kind of oppression or depression. And in the middle of that, you can rise up on the inside and say, I'm going to praise the Lord anyhow. I'm going to sing hallelujah anyhow. Paul and Silas were in prison in their feet and the stocks and their their hands against the wall, you know, in chains. And and uh, they were, I don't think the next morning was going to be all bright and sun, sunny. You know, they, they weren't having a, you know, mimosa brunch, you know, prepared for them in the next uh, the next morning, right? It was probably going to be more beating and more threatening and more uh, pain and torture. Y'all getting anything out of this? <laughs> and so here they, they in, the, in the middle of, at midnight, it says that the word says that they sang praises unto God. And uh, this, this has nothing to do with my message, but I thought that we would enjoy this little part anyway, because it's part of it, really is to just to become a, if you're not a worshiper, become one. And I'm not talking about just standing up in church and singing along with the song, with the worship team. But you need to worship in your car, worship in your house, worship, uh, you know, uh, out on your patio or your screen porch or whatever you have. You need to worship, worship him. Amen. Amen. And, uh, and, and don't let your feelings run you. When it comes to worship, I will pray. I will bless the Lord. I will lift my hands. I will praise him. And as long as I have breath. And so I'll tell you what, as far as people saying, well, I wish I could feel his presence. 
Uh, I don't know what to tell you other than you get in his, get in his presence. Amen. Go boldly to the throne of grace that you might find grace to help in time of need. So has anybody ever found themselves in time of need? In a time of, of, of where you needed the Lord to touch you and bless you and help you? Well, I, I get there almost daily sometimes. <laughs> you know, some, some weeks are better than others, but you just, you just go on, right? All right, praise God. Where we're going to look at John 1, 1 here about God and His Word are the same. So if you have the Bible and you have some verses of Scripture, you have Jesus right with you. And when you're speaking the Word, every word you're, uh, of, the, of, of, the, of the Bible, every word of the Bible is, the, is saying Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Amen. Now I've seen the hand ringer people. Jesus, 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 Jesus. You know, won't you help us? Won't you help us? And there's not a lot of faith in that. It just sounds like desperation. Uh, if you start in desperation, fine, but don't just stay there. Get to faith. Amen. And calling those things that be not as though they were and, and declaring over yourself what you have and who you are. I have to do this. I have to remind myself. I'm blessed. Hallelujah. I'm prosperous. I'm healthy. I'm smart. <laughs> I have uh, answers. No, I just don't know what to do. I'm never going to say that I don't know what to do. I'm going to say I always know what to do because the Holy Spirit within me tells me what to do. So I know you think, well, that sounds kind of snotty and arrogant. It's not. It's not that. That's not the spirit about it. Or bragging on myself that I'm some great person. I, I'm not. I'm just a person. But I'll tell you, I, I, I have learned to listen to the Lord. And I, I, my, uh, my mentor in ministry was Kenneth Hagan. And his wife, who we called Mom, Aretha, uh, one time I was, I was about 20 years old. I was playing the organ, you know, for their crusades and I'm walking around there and, Brother Hagen did a lot of teaching, not only on faith, but on hearing the Holy Spirit and how to hear from God, you know. And I remember uh, saying in front of her, and I said this all the time, I can't hear from God. I don't know. People say they hear from God. I want to hear from God. I just I just never hear anything, to be honest. I'm just being honest. I don't hear anything. And she said, you should stop saying that. And I said, really? She says, yeah. It's, the reason you don't hear from God is you're always saying, I don't hear from God. She said, stop it. Now start saying, I hear from God. In other words, we're saying it by faith. We're not saying it by experience or because we have a story. But by faith, we're saying, I hear from God. I'm, a, I'm a, in the sheepfold, right? I'm in the body of Christ. Uh, Jesus is the good shepherd, praise the Lord. And uh, the Bible says that, we follow the voice of the shepherd and another we will not follow. And we hear the voice of the shepherd and another we will not follow. So I'm hearing his voice. I'm hearing him speak to me. And uh, as, as, uh, and so I say that even before I hear something. I don't mean physically hear it audibly. If you're starting to hear a lot of voices, you know, you might need some help. That's the first sign of schizophrenia, but, um, we're not talking about 
hearing voices in the night or whatever, if you do and it's the Lord and it agrees with the word, fine. But, you know, I'm, I'm not one particularly seeking to hear disembodied voices. I uh, would rather just hear it from the word and the still small voice of the spirit. Amen. And uh, Brother Hayden even said that, you know, he had the nine visitations from Jesus, like personally showed up and where he could see it, see him, see the experience. And he said, most of the time it's because I was too hard-headed to just follow the Bible and the Holy Spirit was already speaking to me and I wouldn't do it. And he said, the Lord had to show up to me, to me, to, to kind of correct me. He says, every time he showed up, I thought, oh boy, here it comes, you know. It's kind of like going to the principal's office. Did you ever hear your name called over the intercom? Go to the principal's office. I, I had that a time or two. Uh, after I got home and my father dealt with me, that, kind of slowed down a little, you know. My dad always said, if you get a whipping at school, you get one at home too, you know. And you'd have to bring the note. And I knew kids that forged their parents' names on the note, you know. I would, I was afraid to do that. I, I was Pentecostal, like you'd go to hell for something like that. So I was always afraid of going to hell for everything. So I just, I would always just get, take the second, you know, whipping. I don't think you can do that anymore. It's probably all illegal. Everybody goes to jail. Anyway, we're like Sweden now or something. Um, get back on track here. I'm in the weeds hunting for my golf ball. Can't find it. I think the alligator got it. All right. But we are talking about Jesus and his word being synonymous. They are the same. Aren't you glad for that? And uh, I'm going to prove it right here. And what proves it is one letter is the capital, capitalized word. See, W-O-R-D is capitalized. And so it says here, in the beginning was the word, capital W. That means there's, uh, it's a deity. It's, it's either the Father or Jesus. Or it could be the Trinity if you want to go with that. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, O-R-D, and the capital W, Word, was with God, and the capital W, Word, was God. So, God and His Word are the same. You want to hear God speaking to you? One way you can do it is read the Word of God out loud to yourself and say, Father God, speak to me. Holy Spirit, speak to me. And you can do it by just quoting scripture and you hear that. And I'm telling you, you'll sense his presence and his help and his hope and his healing is right there with you. That's a pretty good reminder, isn't it? The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And that's still true today, isn't it? Now, if you'll jump down just to verse 14, this is an extra verse that I didn't uh, write down originally, but we're going to add it because it's so important. It says, and the Word, again, capital W, was made flesh and dwelt among us. 
and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Praise the Lord. Again, who is this talking about? Well, if the word was made flesh and the word is, you know, refers to God, who was made flesh and dwelt among us? Jesus, the Son of God. Amen. So we could say, and God's word and his will are the same. That's another lesson, but we know that. We've been taught that. People say, well, I wish I could find the will of God. Well, get your nose in the Bible. I went, my father, you know, one time he was pastoring in Augusta, Georgia, and this is back in the, in the, uh, the late 60s. And so there was a man that had been attending the church. One of the church members had become very discouraged. And, uh, you know, was just, you know, he was just talking all kinds of dark things and depression. So my dad said, David, I got to stop by and visit, you know, one of the church members that's really going through something. So I'm with him, you know, pastor's son. I'm like 10 and I'm bump, bumping along, you know, with my dad and, we sit down in the living room. They've got this coffee table, and on it's a doily. Everybody put doilies out in those days, you know. There's a doily, and on top of the doily is one of those huge family Bibles. You know, how many remember seeing those huge family Bibles? It's a huge family Bible with the pictures, you know. And it's open in the middle, and about there is the picture of Jesus, you know, the consecration with the halo and everything. You've seen that photograph, I'm sure. Some churches used to have them in their baptistry, you know. The, anyway, uh, he's sitting there with his elbows. Now, this is where he's got the scripture open to the photograph. He's sitting here with the elbows, and I'm not making fun of this guy. I'm sure he's gone on to be with Jesus by now. But he's sitting here with his elbows and his hand like this, his head in his hands. And he's going, like shaking his head no, you know. And my dad said, well, you know, sit up and get your el- get your head out of your hands and, you know, get your elbows off the Bible. He's almost, you know, creasing the paper. Now, I was just a kid and I'm thinking this thought. You want to know what I thought? I thought, I think the Bible would do you a lot better if you would just start reading it other than trying to absorb it through elbows. It's, you know... Bible, Bible encouragement through osmosis. Well, you can see it wasn't working because, you know, the guy's getting more depressed as he, as he buries down. And my dad said, just stop that. You know, this, you know, this doesn't help anyone. And he prayed for him and got him into some, some confessions and things and helped the guy. But the point is, you don't get the word. You know, if your Bible's too holy to, to get off of the doily or under the glass dome, well, leave it there. And get one, like Brother Hagen said, at a used bookstore that's got a paperback that you can write on and mark and get something out of it. Amen? You know, people say, oh, I just have such a respect for the Word. They're almost scared of it, like it's got some kind of a power that's going to come out and zap them. But the only power that will come out of this book will help you. It's not to be afraid of it as some... And don't treat it like a religious symbol. It's not a religious symbol. It's the Word of God. It's Jesus. It's, it's a form of Jesus Christ Himself. That's what I'm trying to say tonight. Amen.
I love that, though. It says the Word was made flesh. So we know that God's Word and His will are the same. And so God, as He, uh, Jesus, as He walked on the earth and spoke on the earth and did the mighty works that He did and the miracles that we saw, He did that as the walking, talking, breathing, touchable in the form of flesh, divine inside of flesh, amen, will of God. If you want to know what the will of God looks like, look at Jesus. He is the will of God. Woo! I'm going to kick here in a minute. No pew walking, though. I don't want to go down in the in the seat. All right. John 14. Now, we read part of this, I think, on Sunday, but we're going to look at... Uh, the rest of it here is so important that we see, again, we see Jesus uh, in the Word, not only in the Word, but that He is the Word, and He is the work of God. He is the work and the Word of God. Amen? John 14, uh, Jesus was talking here, you know, in verse 4, He said, And whither I go, you know, and the way you know. Now this to me is humorous. After that, because Thomas said immediately, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? He just argued, he just contradicted what Jesus said. Can you imagine that? Jesus said, you know, the, you know the way, you know where I'm going, and you know the way. Thomas, remember, remember Thomas is a real winner here. He's the, one that had no faith whatsoever and said, there, he's called Doubting Thomas. Remember? What a, what a label to get in the body of Christ for the rest of eternity. Oh, hi, you're Doubting Thomas. Nice to see you in heaven. Oh, I doubt it. All right, no. He's a... uh, so, you know, Jesus has really got... You know, if you ever think you've got staff problems, you know, I say this to pastors, you think you've got staff problems? Think about Jesus. He had some major staff problems. The guy keeping the money was a thief and was stealing out of the, you know, the crusade bag. Uh, he did not, he, he completely betrays Christ, right? And then kills himself. So there's a winner. Now, you got, Peter, who denies he couldn't hold papers in the assemblies of God or Church of God or Rhema, because he's denied Christ three times, which is considered the unpardonable sin, so he's messed up. Besides that, he had the same tendencies even after he became an apostle and was walking, you know, and, and, and doing the things, building the church. Peter co was collaborating with the Judaizers and Paul was stood him to the face. Amen, and rebuked him. So we got we got Judas. Well, that's really great. We've got Peter. Now we've got Thomas, who doesn't believe anything. And we have Philip, who is now going to collaborate with Thomas. So four out of the twelve are really something, aren't they? Now they finally all got on track, except for Judas. But uh, they sound like just people, don't they, that God is trying to use. That ought to help you. You think, well, can God use me? Well, if he could use Peter and use Thomas, I think he could use anybody. 
don't everybody laugh at once, but it's really pretty funny. John 6, he finally says to him, I am the way. Like, what part of this did you not get walking with me these three and a half years? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Now, see, they're wondering, well, when did we see the Father? We know we've seen you, but we haven't, we weren't at that meeting. We didn't get the memo, something. Philip said unto him, Lord, now Philip's going to sound a little more spiritual, but he's also in the same problem. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. I challenge you to say sufficeth ten times as fast as you can in a row. That's not a word we use every day, is it? Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, Have I been such a long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? Now, isn't that interesting? They're saying we haven't seen the Father, and he's talking about himself. Philip, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Guess what? If Jesus, now see, I'm tying this all together. It's kind of cool. If Jesus is the Word, and the Word is Jesus, and Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. When you look into the Word of God, you see not only Jesus, but you see the Father. Praise God. And if you see the Father, you're, you're going to see the Holy Spirit. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? He always is asking, how could you say that? <laughs> I love Jesus' sense of humor. Because remember when they were going to go, when they were going on, the, the boat was sinking, and Jesus said, they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he said, how is it? <laughs> how do you answer it? Don't, don't you hate those kind of questions? How is it that you have no faith? How can that be? And the Bible says they didn't say anything. And he says, um, you know, why are you so fearful? And it says they feared exceedingly. <laughs> they, they didn't quite get what he was saying to them. I believe Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he ever said that, he's still saying it. Amen. He's saying that to us now. He says, how can you say, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. Notice he keeps emphasizing the indwelt uh, presence of God. He does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father... And the Father in me, or else believe me, for the very work's sake, the quality of, of the miracles. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, 
The works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Now, jump down to verse 16, and you're going to see what he's going to do when he goes to the Father. Remember, he ascended. Many saw him go. This is not a rumor. This really happened. And when he sat, when he got to heaven, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, anytime you see, and I always remind you of this, anytime you see something about sat down or seated in, in regards to God, we're talking authority. We're talking a throne. All right. We're talking a kingdom. And so it wasn't just like, you know, Sunday school chair, folding chair that he sat in. It was the throne. Amen. It is the throne of God. And the Bible says that we're seated in Ephesians. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Wherever Jesus sits, we're sitting there with him. That's why, can I just take a minute here before I tell you? That's why it's so horrible, really, slapping God's face to start praying Lord, I'm so unworthy. I don't deserve anything. I don't, blah, blah, blah. Trying to sound humble, but really you're, you're, you're insulting God because He has already given you Jesus. The Bible says, of what good thing would He withhold? He is building you. He has put into you everything. He's already trusted you with the greatest gift you could possibly desire, which is Christ. Amen. You understand, there's no house, car, money, position, status, whatever, that comes anywhere near the quality of Christ being in you. And if you have Christ in you, you're already rich, you're already blessed. God doesn't look at your bank account to see if you're blessed. He looks at Jesus to call you blessed. I hope your help. this is helping you. Try to build you up. Amen. Um, so he says, because I go to my father. Now look at verse 16. And, in other words, when I get there, I will pray the father, and he shall give you another comforter, capital C, talking about the Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. Now look at verse 17. The latter part says, dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Look at verse 20, the, the, the about the middle. He says, I am in the Father, you shall know, I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. So he is emphasizing this indwelling of really Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and then we're included in this body of Christ. Isn't that wonderful? We're included and we're all mushed together in this way. You love that word mushed? We're all mushed and mushed together uh, and, and melded and welded together with Christ in Him, in God. Praise God. I, I get to where all I want to do is shout about it because, you know, there's nothing more to be said and, 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 uh, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory. You can't even describe it when you really start to meditate on these things. Amen? So guess what else is sort of rolled up inside of us is this living word. 
How many know that when you hear a scripture, sometimes you'll hear a scripture just once. Maybe it was a few years ago and you heard a, a, a message or you read something. And that scripture will come floating up almost out of nowhere sometimes and give you the rhema word that you need for that day. Amen. For that moment. And uh, I'll tell you more about the guy with the elbows. I've been the guy with the elbows before. Uh, I, I've, in other words, I've been discouraged. Anybody here ever been discouraged? I've been discouraged and and uh, concerned and upset about things of life. And I, I think I've told this story before, but years and years ago, many years ago, I was in, uh, oh my goodness, probably 30 years by now. Uh, I was in Peru. I had gone there to preach my friend, Jim Andrews, he had a great ministry there that he had founded. And we would go down there quite often and preach. And I'm down there, and my wife and kids are at home in Tulsa. And we're believing God for some money to come in to pay the bills and keep the lights on and food on the table and gas in the car and those things, you know. And, uh, and, uh, I, I've, I've boarded planes before and gone overseas with five dollars in my pocket. And, uh, God provided for me. Amen. Well, that's fine for the, for the missionary or whatever, uh, you know, uh, it's not fine, but I'm saying, you know, it's, it, you know, I, I'll believe God for myself, but boy, it, it, it's double on you. If you know what I mean? Double responsibility. And, and pressure to be thinking about your wife and kids, you know, that they have enough while you're gone for two weeks or whatever, three weeks sometimes. And so I'm believing God, you know, I'm believing God for checks to come in the mail. She's checking the mailbox. Oh, it's a horrible thing. <laughs> She's checking the mailbox and seeing if there's enough, you know, enough to put in the bank to go to the grocery store properly, you know, not just get the bare minimum. She's, uh, you know, we're writing back and forth. We, we didn't have, we didn't have internet back then. You know, we had, uh, fax machines. The hotel usually had a fax machine and I could write a letter and send it to her and then she could write me back, uh, to that phone number and I, they would put it in a little envelope, put it under my door. I'm in a hotel at night. Just arrived in Lima, and uh, I, you know, I'm just concerned. I mean, I'm really worrying about them, and and then you know, the devil's mocking me. He's saying, "Here you are, the big evangelist, the big, the big preacher, yeah, out on the field, going to preach to the sinners, and you're not even taking care of your family at home." You know, it was it was it was horrible. It's can anybody relate to how that might feel, you know, to someone? And so I'm just, you know, thinking, oh, man, you know, this is really terrible. I'm really an idiot. I shouldn't even be out here. I should be working a job at home or doing something, you know, to provide. And, and here I'm concerned about them, and I can't sleep, and I don't know what to do. That's my, isn't that great, the mighty man of God's man of faith and power for this hour is laying there with this on him. And so I'm laying there thinking about it, 
concerned about it, worrying about it, not in faith at all by then. My faith had left, Elvis has left the auditorium, and my faith went with Elvis, and there's nothing happening. You know, I'm just sitting there stuck. I, I have been in, in some situations, let me tell you. So I was laying there and concerned and worrying, and I cried out to the Lord. I said, Lord, what should I do? And I heard the Lord say, turn on the light. I said, okay. I reached over, pulled a little chain, you know, turn on a little light. This little hotel I'm staying at. I said, now what? He goes, open your Bible. Well, it was under some magazines and I don't know what all. I pulled it out. Yes, preachers read more than just the Bible. We're actually allowed now to read the newspaper, sporting magazines, and even a novel now and then. But uh, I got my Bible, and the Lord said, Open it to Psalms and start reading about, you know, and, it's, and read them out loud. I mean, the Lord's just walking me through this. And I started reading the Psalms about God taking care of us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Meaning, want means I, I, I'm not in need. I'm not in, I'm not destitute. Amen. I've got plenty. And I started reading those Psalms out loud and I got the victory. Praise God. I, the Bible says David encouraged himself in the Lord. When everything was gone. And so if we can learn to do this, praise God. I'm preaching to me and you tonight. Amen. Amen. Just to, just to praise Him and thank Him for what the Word says. And if the Word says it, Jesus is saying it. Amen. And if Jesus, cause I said, God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to tell me what to do. And He said, open the Bible. Well, it wasn't a day and a half, hardly. I got a, Nice facts from my wife that some money had come in. It was we were what we were claiming, and and she was able to put it in the bank and go to the grocery store, put gas in the car. Everybody's fine. Amen. Don't everybody shout at once. Glad that worked out for you, Pastor. All right. I'm kidding. All right, John. Amen. But I want you to see it's all about God inside of us. And you get that word of God and get it inside of you. Turn Fox News off. I hope you're not watching the other ones. But anyway, just kidding. Watch whatever you want. But, you know, I, I sometimes I'm just sitting there. I'm thinking, boy, it's kind of an oppressiveness here. And then that TV's on, you know, and they're just, they don't have but about three minutes of news, folks. The rest of it's their analysis. And their analysis is about as good as yours or mine or anybody else's, you know. It's worth two cents. And uh, everything they say bad's going to happen. I read a book, somebody, a Christian, gave me a book back in 1984 called why, how the whole world's economy is going to collapse by 1980, you know, in 1984. He gave all the reasons that it has to collapse and it hasn't collapsed yet. Praise the Lord. So, okay. All right. Look at, um, where are we going? 
Mark, yeah. Now, so now we're talking about having the Word of God. I want to see, I want you to see your spirit, man, or your heart as soil to plant seed in. And you know these parables, but they they go very well, don't they, with what we're preaching tonight. Mark 4 and, and verse 3, Jesus began to give them this parable. Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. It came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and devoured it up. Some fell on stony ground where it had uh, not much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. When the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. And others fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100. Amen. And um, now, and then he said in verse 8, uh, I'm sorry, 9, he said, he that hath ears to hear, let him hear. How many's got ears to hear tonight? You got some ears on your head. Well, you can hear. Um, Mark 4, 14, he's going to now explain the parable. And aren't you glad that both versions are here? Not only the parable's version, but then the meaning of the parable. Here's the, It's like a riddle in a way. And you and 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 some I'm sure some of those that were listening to him got it immediately and others didn't. The disciples were notorious for Jesus would say something and everybody's you know blessed and healed and touched and miracles and then when they they got with him privately it says they said we didn't have a clue what you were talking about and he would say how long do I have to suffer you and be with you. That's what he said. Jesus was a little, uh, you know, I mean, he, he people think he was just floating around like Tiny Tim with the, bat, you know, the little ukulele tiptoe through the tulips. Some kind of hippie guy walking around going, peace, man. That was not Jesus. Jesus uh, it wasn't just going around, you know, feeling sorry for everybody. He actually could really put you in your place. Think about the money changers. I mean, you know, that wasn't exactly Tiny Tim tiptoeing through the two. Does anybody remember Tiny Tim tiptoeing? Okay. I don't know what happened to him. He kind of was a one-hit wonder, wasn't he? All right. Mark 4, 14. The sower soweth the word. And these are they by the wayside where the word is sown. But when they have heard the word, Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. They have no root in themselves and no, and, and so endure but for a time Afterward, when affliction or persecution 
ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they were offended. You ever seen people offended? <laughs> you can tell when they're offended. They're kind of, you know, they have an offended look on their face. Their lips are pursed and I'm just not happy. Some people are no, never happy, no matter what you do for them. These are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the host of other things entering in, choke the lust of other things, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. So there's nothing but good that comes out of it. And these are they which are sown on good ground. Say, that's me. That's me. That's me. Amen. Such as hear the word and receive it and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some an hundred. Amen. Amen. Well, we might as well claim the best of that since it's all available. I'll take all three. How about you? That the, I'm talking about the word of God producing. This isn't just about money. It could be money if that's your need, but this isn't about money. This is about your whole life. Amen. Everything that concerns you, the, the Word of God speaking to that, and you're saying, I am receiving my answers 30, 60, and 100 fold, and I am good soil for the Word of God to spring forth and produce fruit. Amen. And that's what we're saying. That's what we're doing. That's what we're believing. Amen. So we used to sing a little song, you know, Brother David Ingalls wrote, The Word is working mightily in me. The Word is working mightily in me. No matter what the circumstances, what I feel or see, the Word is working mightily in me. Amen. That's a confession song. We should sing that. Amen. The Word is, here it is, The Word is working mightily in me. The Word is working mightily in me. No matter what the circumstances, what I feel or see, the Word is working mightily in me. Amen. So if you're saying the Word is working mightily in me, you're saying God is working mightily in me. Jesus is working mightily in me. And the Holy Spirit is working mightily in me. Amen. And so if you got all that going, no wonder if God be for us, who can be against us? No, no wonder we can quote Isaiah 54 that tells us that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us falsely, uh, one translation says, will be proven to be in the wrong. Amen. God is a great vindicator. Maybe you've been accused of things that you didn't do or, you know, bad things were said about you, hateful things. Praise God, it doesn't matter. Say, well, it does matter. It doesn't matter. Uncle Donald, you know, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. I was at a church one, you want to hear a funny story? I was at a church one time preaching and, um, in, in Texas. And, uh, this woman said that her husband's name was Cowboy. And, um, you know, I figured out that's a nickname. I don't think anybody would put that on a birth certificate. 
Now, today, anything's possible, but I'm talking years ago. And I said, uh, is that your Christian given name, cowboy? He said, no, it's Huey. And I said, it would have been really funny if you had, you know, brothers named Dewey and Louie. And the pastor, who was a woman pastor, she said, they're, they're triplets. They're, they are, the mother named them Huey, Dewey, and Louie. And I said, well, that's wonderful. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have to fix it up, you know. To... Sometimes you, it's, it's called foot, hoof and mouth disease. <laughs> oh yeah. I've learned never assume a lot of things about a lot of people because that'll be the thing that'll, that'll bite you for sure. Amen. Well, praise God. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord tonight for the word. Hallelujah. That has come forth and reminder of who we are again and what we have. Amen. Let's make this confession. Let's hold up our Bible. We'll just kind of do the service in reverse. But uh, say this is, you got that confession there? Uh, Jerry Lee, it's a good confession. And uh, this, let's say this out loud. This is my Bible. Thank God for my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today I was taught the Word of God. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a good confession, isn't it? Praise the Lord. All right. God bless you. You may be dismissed. Don't forget we have church here Sunday. The wild preacher is going to be preaching.